Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us here on the Recruitment Roundup podcast, which is brought to you by BMS Performance. For those of you that are joining us for the first time, BMS Performance is a specialist sales and marketing recruitment consultancy. For the last 30 years, we've been helping businesses across the UK recruit for vacancies at every level. I'm your host, Mike Leather, and every week I'll be joined by a new guest where we'll get stuck into the latest trends in regards to recruitment. We'll talk about insights, we share ideas, we share experiences, and ultimately we look to provide value to fundamentally help you, you whether or not you're a hiring manager, a business leader, or part of an internal talent team to recruit smarter, faster, and more effectively. Welcome everyone to another episode of the Recruitment Roundup podcast. I am joined today by my colleague, Ed Silipo, who is one of our managing consultants in our marketing division. Welcome back to the show, Ed. Thank you very much, Mike. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Great. uh, Really, really keen to sort of get stuck into it and appreciate the call up for for season two. So it's always nice to be invited to these things. Yeah, delighted to get you um to get to get you back on. And this podcast today is aimed at or is helpful to um, marketing managers, marketing directors, CMOs, even recruitment managers, internal recruiters who are hiring marketers. What we're going to talk about is um based on your experience, Ed, what what the top three hiring challenges are that hiring managers are facing when recruiting for marketing vacancies at the moment and you you know recruit across a broad spectrum hence why we wanted to get you on to talk about this but I wanted to start by um by asking you what what's the world of marketing recruitment like right now we've experienced a lot of change in these um the last seven eight months of, of the year across all markets so I was curious to find out how the landscape in the world of marketing looks yeah, and you know, echoing what you said, like there's there's change within marketing recruitment. I think from from our perspective, we've seen probably an increase in demand from event organisers who are looking to grow and build out their marketing teams. Yeah. Um, so the team are, you know, working on multiple projects for for events businesses, which is a little bit different to where we were during the the COVID period, where unfortunately events um took a little bit of a hit yeah um, but now they seem to be you know growing and and doing very well in the current climate yeah what are you putting that down to um i mean speaking to hiring managers and you know and having conversations with candidates the ability to put on in-person events is now back in the heart of, of what's going on you know, yeah. flip it to you know 18 months two years ago there was a bit of a taboo around can we get an in-person event without it going completely you know the wrong way because of covid um there's you know more of a backing for people to, to want to meet in person i know from my perspective you know i'm trying to encourage candidates that we speak to now to come to our office to really? meet in person yeah, right. yeah. It, it adds that personal touch um so if you flip that on to an from an event perspective you've got a great opportunity to network great opportunity to engage with uh multiple different audiences so i, I i'm putting it down to to that as part of the reason yeah um i get that we've been pushing for more face-to-face meetings with the companies that that we work with as well but also if i think about um 
some of the more entry-level sales roles that we recruit for and inside sales roles, there's more of an appetite now to um, actually be in the office again, like people yeah. uh, enjoying that face-to-face aspect. And I wonder whether it's um, whether the the idea of um, video meetings and hybrid work and everything is just starting to like balance out. There's 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 an appetite for it still, but that face-to-face element's definitely coming back into play, isn't it? And and we're seeing that it's a good thing in my opinion. It's a good oh. thing. I agree. I think it's great to have that flexibility and being able to use video to um, to meet and to have conversations whereby, pre- you know, there might be a, a blocker on a face to face meeting. But, you know, it, in, especially in the industry that we work in, right, you know, people buy from people. It's great to be able to put a physical face to the name, make build those relationships and being honest quite like getting out of the office and going to meet yeah. and also whether it's going to a coffee shop and grabbing a coffee with a candidate yeah it, it's 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 a nice thing to do um yeah. so I, i'm putting that sort of people's um you know the mentality shift of in person is is a no it seems to be coming a bit of a norm now so i'm yeah. putting that down to a little bit as to why the events world is booming yeah i wanted to, wanted to ask as well about the candidate market um what's it like in, in the world of marketing, how would you describe it? Um, I, I would say that you, there's a good amount of candidates out there, uh, but I think the the real challenge that's facing businesses and where we can is where we're sort of adding that value is is tapping into the candidates that maybe aren't necessarily open to work. Um, okay, we, we've got a lot of you know there's a lot of candidates across a lot of different industries with marketing that are, that are actively looking which is a good thing but we're basically we're finding that you know companies are actually wanting more of the people that aren't necessarily on the market as such um which i find really interesting but um to sort of go back to your point mike there is a a good candidate market out there yeah but to really find the the candidate that's ticking all of your boxes for your recruitment drive it's that little bit harder. You've got to go that extra mile. You've got to dig a little bit deeper to make sure that you're you're getting someone who's who's going to be meeting all of your needs for for your hiring process. Yeah, similar to all the markets, the the, the, the very best candidates generally aren't in the active talent pool. They're not applying for adverts. They need to be proactively approached, don't they? That's that's a nice segue there, Red, in terms of what we want to talk about. So we're going to go into the top three hiring challenges that hiring managers face when recruiting for marketers. What's um, number one for you? And it's it's not in order of um, priority, but just what's the first one that you'd you'd say you want to talk about? Um, I'd probably say salary expectations and the the notion of a salary is probably one of, if not the biggest challenge um, we're facing in the market right now. Okay, talk to me more about that. What 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 so, what are the biggest challenges companies are having with 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 salaries and and that impacting their ability to recruit? I, I I guess what we're what we're seeing from what we so to sort of start sort of take it back a little bit. Um, you obviously had the sort of I'm going to call them the COVID years for mm. want of a better phrase, where you had a lack of workforce, yeah, coupled by 
okay, you need to secure a candidate. Candidate salary expectations were, you know, at, a, at an all-time high, given other economic factors as well. Yeah. Um, so you've got candidates who are, you know, in in a position that they've secured themselves a new role for considerably higher salary that they were expecting uh, to begin with. Yeah. What we're finding now is that, you know, two years on, which seems to be a, you know, a relatively, you know, rough tenure for someone in B2B marketing. Obviously, there will be people that stay three, four, five years. But if we look at that two year mark, you've got candidates who are um, already, you know, higher salary banding um, versus years of experience. And then a company's expectations of what they are going to get versus what's available in the market is, is very disfigured. And, and, and then I think, Mike, there's an element of um, companies potentially not necessarily having a full understanding of yeah. um, salary bandings for specific industries and job titles. Yeah. Um, so, so something that we've done for a few businesses of late is, you know, talk about um, salary benchmarking. Um, yeah. A few businesses have come to us saying, look, we're not sure on where we're at. We've got a challenge around uh, salaries and 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 people um, moving on um, because they're not getting paid enough, or we're not securing the right talent because the salaries are uh, a little bit, you know, we're, we're not we're not competitive enough. Um, mm. So they've then come away and and done some in depth through through partnering with us through other methods. They've they, they've sort of mapped out what the market is actually saying for their roles. So I think it's a mix of um, inflated expectations of people that are in a role, coupled with companies maybe not necessarily having too much um, insight as to what competitors are paying and what the market is saying for roles specifically. Yeah, especially if these companies have got a smaller marketing team, I guess they might not have recruited for a long time. So they come back to market without um a full understanding of what it is that they need to pay and then realize they're x amount short i am um curious just to ask about on this point how much have salaries increased like ballpark figure would you say percentage in the last two years ballpark this role this role role, role specific yeah i mean if, if if i look i think probably the easiest one for me to maybe um talk about without sort of um causing too much controversy would be your sort of marketing executive position and yeah. then, and this is going off the type of marketing role that we've recruited for over the years at bms so mm. a b2b marketing executive with one to two years experience in lead generation that's the kind of marketing executive role i'm talking about here yeah um so and, and mike sorry um what time frame were you looking for again uh, just in, in in the last you know one to two years yeah just give, give, just give people that are listening a, a, a flavor of like what so, the actual increase might might have been so if you if you're looking a couple of years ago uh one to two years b2b marketing experience would put pro- you'd probably be looking at 27 to 30k yeah now one to year one to two years experience within b2b lead generation you're looking at 30 to 35k right um so whilst I can't give you the specific percentage number, um, you can see that there's there, there's definitely been an increase sure, even in yeah. even in that even at that second job 
um, yeah. position within marketing. So multiply that out across your more experienced hires yeah. and, you know, people that, as you said, people that have gone to market two years ago or even a year ago are now coming to market with not being able to get what they were after, you know, a year, two years ago. I guess as well. So if you're a marketing executive, let's say you've got your first job two years ago and you've got a job at 25, 26, 27K, you've done a good job and you've done well. You might have had a couple of pay rises in between, you know, that 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 time when you joined and now when you consider another, another opportunity. So you might already be on 32, 33 anyway by the time you're going out to market. So then even 35 might not be that appealing. You might actually be pushing for 40. And that's it, you know, you've got, you know, because, you know, you're there for a couple of years, you you meet your objectives, you meet your targets, you know, companies will, if that, if appropriate, have a conversation around salary. You're then going to market probably wanting, I don't know, 5k increase, given, you know, the economic circumstances at the moment, 5k probably gives you an increase, but also covers expenditure. Um, So you're already then, you're then battling with, Okay, well, I want more money, but I don't necessarily have enough experience. And then come same same for companies as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. What what you're talking before about passive candidates and active candidates? Um, what are you finding people are are looking for generally to move? So to give you an example, um, in my world of sales recruitment, on average, people are looking for at least ten percent increase at least to move. I mean, we had a candidate today that was um, on 35 and the job offer that we've just got her is 50K. So she's got a lot more than that. Great day for her. But yeah, I'm curious to find out what that looks like in marketing. I say numbers wise, I think the the minimum that people are wanting to me, if we look at that sort of 35K as an example here, you're a 35K B2B marketer through conversations we, we're having that the minimum expectation seems to be around getting sort of a 5k increase. Yeah. So how can I get to 40k? Yeah. Um, but I think what we're finding more and more, especially in the, the candidates we're having to be a bit more proactive with is that actually there's more to it than salary. Yes, an yeah. increase in salary would be good, um, but there are a few other factors as well that come into play um, w- when we're speaking to candidates now. Yeah, I'm pleased you've, you've said that because I'm very mindful to be people listening to this thinking, well, my hands are tied. I need to recruit. I am going to be below the market rate. Like, well, what can I do to be competitive against companies that might be paying a bit more than me? So what other parts of the package are candidates most interested in as well, alongside salary? What else are you seeing that candidates are looking for at the moment? Uh, progression. And, and it sound, it might sound, you know, throwing the word progression out of there, you know, what, what does that actually mean? Well, yeah. companies that maybe aren't as competitive on, you know, if, if we're looking at a 5K difference, you've got one offer at 35K, you've got one offer at 40K. Mm. Companies that have a clear progression plan, of yeah. you're coming in at this level, these are the KPIs and the um, softer skills we need you to demonstrate in order to have a conversation about getting you to level, you know, to from senior exec to marketing manager. From we've then got a plan in place for marketing managers to get to senior marketing managers, 
and then from senior marketing manager to divisional head. And that's all mapped out and it's part of the company ethos. That 5K difference doesn't actually mean anything because yeah. a candidate's going, well, company A have got a really solid outlined plan with case studies internally to showcase that it's not just us saying this. Yeah, it's it's been proven it works. Um, whereas, you know, company B have offered me 5K more and on on the surface, a bigger job title. But I don't want to be a marketing manager in three, four years time. I want to be in a position where I'm working towards, I don't know, senior marketing manager or head of marketing. Yeah, that's going to be really appealing to them. So I guess any advice to companies out there who are finding that they're getting pipped to the post by more salary okay well how are you structured internally what have you got in place to get this individual from senior marketing executive marketing manager whatever it may be to either the most senior role within the marketing team in your business or you're giving them the tools to when they get to that point and you can't offer them the senior marketing role that they are so well equipped that the next application that they make they'll get that job through the through the development that you've given them Brilliant. It's great advice, Ed. Really, really good advice for anyone that's listening to this. And there's going to be a lot of companies that are listening to this who um, are having a hard time. It's not an easy market out there that can't just go and splash the cash as much as they'd like to, to pay more than everyone else to recruit the top talents. That's really good advice. So I want to move on to talking about the second point which you wanted to discuss, Ed, which was um, process and you know, how how this can be a real challenge for companies that are recruiting marketeers um what are you seeing in your experience um with regards to this uh, a bit of a mix here mike so bearing in mind we work with a number of different companies across london and interview process i'm you know i'm less naive than what i used to be they're gonna vary from company to company we have anything from two stages to five stages depending five on stages i know i know and you know it's it's um you know some what? of these five stages are quite rigorous processes right yeah. um but it's you know i'm laughing about it now with you here but it does actually impact you know i i guess a candidate's buy-in which yeah. is then ultimately going to impact are you going to get the person that you wanted from round one or are you having to settle for your plan b which being honest no one really wants to do but you know these long processes are a bit of a stumbling block and i'm sure they would be for any type of industry and role um it's a very it's, it's a hot topic right now i'd say yeah it's, and, and, and I must say against people listening, um, I wasn't being sarcastic there with, with the lab. It just uh, it just surprised me. It, for me, whenever I've worked with a client and they've got a really long, complex interview process, it's more about how quick they can get through it, to be fair. But if these five-stage processes, for example, or even a three-stage process are spread across a four-week period, then you're just going to lose people at and, the and end this, of the day. Aren't and, you? and this is it. Like If you can tell me, Ed, I can do five stages in a week and a half, yeah i'll be like okay that's a good thing and a bad thing because some candidates might be put off that they've got to have five different processes in you know seven working days seven working days right yeah um i also then you you, i then also have to sort of you know dive into a bit more okay so why the five 
Yeah. Because can, if I say to a candidate, like, the first question they ask me, I'm interested in this role. Okay, how many interview stages have you got? As soon as I say anything more than, I think, three, and we're already yeah. teetering on, okay, three, why three is there is a third it. stage? Three yeah. is pushing it. Yeah. You say any more than that, and you've really got to justify why you're doing it. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think if you if you can't make a clear decision within two stages, then you've really got to strip back what are you actually doing at an interview process? Because Absolutely. there's clearly something there that's not working. Yeah. And I'm happy to chat to you about what can we do to help or give some guidelines on previous experiences, but much past three and you're losing out on, on yeah, especially five, as you said, five over four weeks, that candidate has the opportunity to interview with two, three, four other places that will do a two-stage interview yeah. and they're going to be off the market. Yeah, and candidates generally don't like interviewing. <laughs> it's not it's not <laughs> something people enjoy doing. It's a nerve-wracking process um, at the best of times. I, I think um, my, my, my viewpoint on this is that the interview process has to be fit for purpose. So one that is enjoyable for the candidate and it challenges them to get the most out of it, but equally as important, it enables the employer to be competitive against their other employers in the market. And I think that's sometimes lost sometimes of certain hiring managers because they think, well, we need this processing because we've got to cover all these stages, otherwise we can't be sure. Well, guess what? Your competitors down the road does a two-stage process and recruiting exactly the same sort of profiles so or you're bang on in what you said it's kind of links back to that yeah. like how can you stay competitive if you haven't got the extra 5k yeah training development and show a bit of love at an interview process get do a two-stage interview process that's done over a week and a half yeah. that's thorough but the candidate's going to feel that extra level of love and they're going to feel wanted and, yeah. and it's it's a common conversation that we have um to you know, people sometimes people think, oh, you, you, you're doing it to get, you know, a quick win. Well, not really. We, we're there to try and give the candidates the best view of you as a company. Yeah. And if you want to get the best people, you've, it's all about being willing to adapt to change, really. Yeah, it comes comes into having a partnership based on trust, doesn't it, with your recruitment partner as well. And I'm, I'm curious, Ed, curious, Ed, what's the um, typical life cycle of a candidate at the moment? Um, you know, from coming on the market to leaving the market. And now we're talking very broadly, but yeah. generally, what, what, uh, are you, what are you saying? I would say generally, Mike, you're probably looking at around three weeks right, okay. top, tops for, um, for, for a B2B marketer. Um, obviously, that's going to vary depending. The more senior you go throughout your process, yeah. the, you know, it might be that it's longer than three weeks, um, but but you know the average we're seeing is is about three week from from when we've met someone. Yeah. Very good chance I call them up in three weeks time and they'll tell me Ed I've got a new job. Thank you very much for your help. Yeah, and I guess at the the the, the more entry level end of the spectrum, it's quicker. <laughs> but then sometimes those people are generally interviewed based on characteristics and soft skills rather than actual. Yeah qualifications so it goes back to having a, a a steady interview process two stages three marks so if you can fit your 
more junior candidates into that, then we should really try and structure the process so that it's still that length for more senior candidates as well. But I was curious to get that because I wanted to link it back into the interview process. If, if, if what you're saying is good people are coming on and off the market within two to three weeks, then processes need not to take four or five weeks because that's how yeah. companies are going to lose people. So that was a bit of advice that I was hoping people listening a take from that and maybe think about how their recruitment processes and length of interview processes look at the moment and then how they could even consider um, amending them for the future. Okay, cool. What was the final point you wanted to talk about, Ed? Um, it was, I, I think, uh, an important thing that, that that's come up is companies uh, might be for you know not selling themselves in the best light at interview right and and it it might sound silly from a well a candidate needs to sell themselves to us they need to showcase to us that they are who we need and what we need but there are a lot of opportunities out there so if you're not positioning your company as well as you should again you're sort of impacting your ability to secure the person you want that you want to at interview yeah how many um how many times let's say in the last three months have you experienced um a candidate taking another job because they were more sold on that rather than maybe an opportunity that you'd had them out for where they felt the interview was a bit um overly professional let's say and i mean that in, in 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 the right sort of context so they didn't really get much of a personality feel much yeah. of a vibe for the person that they were meeting um, i mean i mean last week we had a candidate turn down an offer that we had for them based on that exact thing right. um they didn't feel that they didn't feel that the company was right for them and like, you know you drill down into it and okay like okay, why yeah and the, the other offer that they received they, they they spent more time with them sort of talking about company values uh the culture and 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 what they their vision for the okay. role and where that role is going to sit in with the business I, right. I think that you know rightly or wrongly so um businesses have um you know your standard interview questions and your you know your process that you need to follow which i totally get it's there for a reason um but uh, you know a, a company missed out on a great candidate because they didn't want to sort of break away from that mold and give a little bit add a bit more of a personal touch yeah what what could that company have done more do you think in this um in this example to impress that candidate um I mean, the, the talk about sort of vision for the company. Mm. Um, you you know, if a candidate is you know generally interested in the role, um, you know, they may not ask what is the vision for the company or what are the plans for the company in the next six to twelve months' time. What I'd be advising clients to do now is probably talk about that at first round and bring it up themselves, because when you've got you've got candidates, they've got a number of options out there. You want to be that proactive company that goes, right, this is what we're actually going to be doing over the next six to 12 months. This is our plan. This is where this role fits in. And already at stage one, you've, you, the candidates typically when this happens, call us up and go, wow. They're very forward thinking. 
they clearly know what their plans are. Mm. I'm interested. I want to be a part of that. I guess then if you if you're necessarily not in a position to sort of divulge that at stage one, um, it's probably talking about really sort of having some non-generic culture points is how I describe them, because you, right, can, okay. go, you can go through, you know, you know, we've got, you know, the, the, the classic, we've got a good culture. This is why you should join us. I'm probably paraphrasing a bit too much there. But if you if you're talking about culture, give examples of, of why your culture is something that should warrant someone joining you. Yeah. Um, and then I also talk about um, and it, it depends on the size of the marketing team, but, you know, it's also applicable for sales, right, is um, case studies of success. Yeah. It's what I labeled them yeah, as. Yeah, I really like that idea. Yeah. And talk, you know, if you've got someone who did the job and they've gone on to do other things within the business or for another company, bring it up. Showcase to that individual what joining the company is going to do for them long term. You know, if you, these are all little things that you can do to make sure that the candidate comes away from that interview going, wow, OK, if you take a marketing from as an example, the last marketing manager that worked there, worked there three years developed their team management responsibilities and has then gone on to um, get their first role as a marketing leader for a, for a tech startup. As an example, you know, you've got a candidate who's already going, well, that could, that's what I want. This company can give me that. And, and it's just it's just making sure that you're talking as much, you know, it sounds silly, but you're, you're talking about what you can do for someone because I think, yeah. we're, we, you know, we, we spend probably more hours at work than we do with family friends when you break down the working week so you want to make sure that you're giving people the opportunity to learn where they can go through through joining your business i think yeah this this is such good advice and again i'm going to heart back to the more junior end of the of, of the candidate um, market so if let's say a, a marketing executive might be a graduate <clears throat> or have a year under the belt we have to remember that they're not going to have the interview experience or even sometimes the, the commercial now to ask these types of questions. So they won't ask it. So you've got to be in a position where you're thinking, right, what if we want to recruit someone that's this type of profile? What do we think is important to them when they're joining a company? Like you said, culture is massive, isn't it? Culture progression, um, seeing that they're on, on the path to going somewhere, maybe additional learning qualifications, whatever it might be. And then think about right, what 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 are the highlights we're going to talk about to sell our company to this type of candidate? Um, and that seems that's from what you're saying, that seems like um, the difference between the companies that sell themselves really well. And those that aren't, and I guess to finish off with, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> um, what's the most innovative, innovative um, thing you've seen a company do to sell themselves to a candidate? I would say, if we were looking at it from an innovative perspective, Mike, um, we partner with a business called Handsome Wade um, yeah. for marketing recruitment, and um, I really like their second stage interview process that they do. So um, what they do as a business is um, they give the candidate an opportunity to meet and interview P1 
people from different departments within the business. Oh, wow. Never heard so, that before. So they call it the way to dip. Uh, and in essence, you, you, you sort of have a, an intro and a conclusion. But then yeah. you get to meet people from sales, from operations, um, from marketing as well. And it, it sounds it's very, you know, break it down. It's quite simple. Get someone to, to speak to different people in an apartment. Right. But what you've got, what you've then got, if you've got five different people talking to you about the culture of the company that they work at, yeah. how that person interacts with different departments and the candidates come off that call going, I don't really have any questions left for the business. I just want to go in and really smash my presentation. Um, so I guess from a, like a, a, an innovative perspective, it, it sets them apart um, yeah. from, from other people. Um, Absolutely. And, and candidates, just, candidates love it. Yeah. Yeah. Never, I've never heard of that before. Um, that's a great, great way to, um, to finish the podcast. So hopefully people listening, I've got a lot of value from that some ideas, um, some um, perspective based on, you know, your experience, Ed. So, yeah, great advice shared there. And thanks for coming on. Really appreciate no, it. No worries at all. Thanks for having me. And, look, you know, I say this to everyone that I speak to, any advice or even if it's a quick chat about the market or how you should go about hiring or if you're looking for a job and you want some advice, connect with me on LinkedIn. More than happy to have a conversation. Great. Good stuff. Right. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in and we'll look forward to you joining us again next week. Bye for now. Well, that wraps up another episode of the Recruitment Roundup podcast. Thank you very much for listening to the show, to watching the show. Um, we really appreciate your support. It would be absolutely fantastic um, if you could give us a rating on Apple, on Spotify, give us a review. Um, any feedback really, really helps and is massively appreciated. So thank you once again for joining us and we will hopefully see you again next week.